You're listening to the JT The Brick Show, where the Raider Nation has come to sound off and react for over 20 years. It's the JT The Brick Show. They get the snap off, hand off Jacobs, has the first down of the goal, 15-10, 5, touchdown Raiders! Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Raiders bring a blitz, he is smothered, and brought down, Max Crosby came around for the sack! Your silver and black home to sound off for over 20 years. Snap to car in the shotgun, back to pass, climbs the pocket, eyes downfield, fires a strike to Devontae at the 25, breaks away 20, 15! 10, 5, dives, touchdown Raiders! And now, here's JT the Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you. Good to have you, everybody. Thanks for listening to the flagship of the Silver and Black, Raider Nation Radio. You can hear it on the Raiders mobile app, where my buddy Steve Levy from ESPN is listening, and he's calling the game. He's actually the play-by-play voice because it's a Saturday game. Remember, he was the Monday night football host they brought in Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. They moved these other guys around. They're doing the game on Saturday. So the Monday night football team from last year will be in our building. And uh, they're ready for the game as the Raiders got flexed to Saturday. And it doesn't seem like it's a big deal to you, the fans. I'd like to know the real big thing is travel. A lot of people had plane tickets for Sunday. Some fly in on Sunday. I used to fly into Oakland Sunday morning, first flight out, 6.30 or 7.00. You know, if you had that ticket, you had to move it. You had to fly out Saturday or you had to fly out uh, Friday, hotel rooms, all of that. So if you got a story about that in the flex into Saturday's game, I like it. I get an extra day off uh, this week. I'm working seven days this week. I work Sunday, Raider game against the Niners, Mad Dog Radio, all this week to Friday and then Saturday again. So no one cares. That's what we do. But it's the last game of the year and I'm bummed out. One of the Raiders to play in the playoffs for obvious reasons. I thought they were a playoff team this year. I didn't pick them to win the division. I thought there'd be three wild cards coming out of the AFC West. West, I predicted Kansas City to win the division. Why wouldn't you? You'd be nuts if you didn't pick Kansas City to win the division before the start of the year. You'd be nuts. And I thought the Chargers and the Raiders would get in right around 10 or 11 wins. And the Chargers are in and the Raiders are not. And the Raiders aren't in because they should have 9 to 10 wins playing for 10 or 11, but the halftime leads that evaporated are the the reason, the, the, the reason why the Raiders aren't in the playoffs. So I don't think you could look around and say the Raiders stink. I don't think you could say the Raiders are a terrible team, a bad team. All the analysts on all the networks are saying the Raiders are losing all these games by one score. They're blowing double-digit leads, and uh, a lot of that's bad luck. A lot of that is problems with coaching and quarterback play and defensive play. Everybody's taking the blame. I don't know anybody in this organization who has not taken the blame, not one person. Everybody we know who was able to step in front of a microphone took part of the blame for this team not making the playoffs this year. And that's where we're at, and we're going to have to see what happens. This year will be remembered for the second half blown leads. They led 20 to nothing to Arizona. They lost 29 to 23. They led 20 to 10. These are all just second half leads against Kansas City. Lost 30 to 29. Jacksonville week nine, they were up 20 to 10. They lost 27 to 20. LA, they were up 16 to three, lost 17 16. In the last game, they were up 24 to 14. They lost 37 to 34. So those are all halftime leads. They lost to the Niners by three. 
the Rams by one, the Jaguars by seven, Kansas City by one, and Arizona on the strip of the Hunter Renfro concussion on that play by six. Okay, which of the five games, which of the five games, two, that you think the Raiders should have? Obviously have. I'll go first. I'll go Arizona easily. Arizona's the one. That's on everybody's list is Arizona. And then the other team, the other game that I think they should have had was the worst of them all, the Baker Mayfield game, up 16-3 to because they didn't score. So if you give the Raiders those two games, the Raiders are sitting with eight wins. Then there's three other games they blow second-half leads. I'll take the Jaguar game. That's probably the easiest one. That would have given the Raiders nine wins. They get stopped at the goal line going for two with Josh Jacobs. They lose by one in Kansas City. Uh, that game I'll, I'll keep with Kansas City. They won that game. And the Niner game, I'm really upset about the Niner loss because you know, the, the Niners gave the Raiders a chance to steal the game at home. And Robbie Gold missed that kick in regulation, but the Raiders got the ball in overtime and were driving, and I'm really bitter that they lost that game because they should have won that game. Once it gets to overtime at Allegiant Stadium, once it gets there to overtime at Allegiant Stadium, you got to win the game. You know, beat Baltimore in overtime, lost to... You remember the face mask play with Fitzpatrick, that one against Miami, which was weird. There's been a lot of good games at Allegiant Stadium. The one against the Niners, I'd be more bitter. I, I can't be more bitter because it knocked them out of the playoffs. But they had the ball with an opportunity to win. And I think they could have won that game because of Devontae Adams' performance with Jared Stidham. I think in overtime, they were ready to go heavy to Devontae. And on that final play, Colt Miller got thrown back into Jared Stidham. Stidham threw the duck, it went up in the air, and that was it. And I really think they would have connected with Devontae. They would have easily been in field goal range, no doubt in field goal range. And could they have stopped Brock Purdy? I don't know. I mean, the Raider defense was not very good in the second half of that game. So that's where we are. We have a few more shows before the season's over, and then we have a long off season, which should be, I think, pretty entertaining and interesting because you're going to have a quarterback question. Every market has a coach. A coach that's going to be hired or fired, uh, Josh McDaniels from all accounts here with Mark Davis, you know the, the situation there. Everything seems to be going forward with Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels. That's the case. That's what's happening. I'm behind that. They had year one. They'll have more chances to try to bring this team to the postseason. But the pressure's on to do it because it didn't happen this year. Then there's going to be a quarterback situation and in most markets there's a quarterback controversy either you have no quarterback or you have a quarterback controversy the Jets are a great example with that Mike White Zach Wilson they both stink they both stink so that's a quarterback controversy but not really I'm going to play sound later on in the show Boomer Siason took a shot at Derek Carr which I want to defend Derek on a little bit later in the show because Derek would be a great fit for the Jets great fit for Indy Great fit for the Saints. Great fit for Carolina. I'm going to get into that in the second half of the show. But I don't think there's going to be a quarterback controversy here unless something big happens. If Jared Stidham plays good enough to beat Kansas City and beats Kansas City, Jared Stidham would have done everything he could have dreamed of since he's a little boy. Go into the offseason as the starting quarterback of the Silver and Black where names like Flores, LaMonica, Stabler, Plunkett, Gannon, Carr had that. Stidham could easily go into the offseason, pack his bags, I don't know where he lives full-time, and go back to some family and say, hey, I'm the quarterback of this team. Look what I did against San Francisco's number one defense, and I just beat Kansas City. Now, that would be something that he really should want to do. 
And the only way to do that is to play as good as he played against the 49ers. And what did he do against the 49ers? That was better than Derek. He was mobile. That's what every Raider fan is hungry for. Even the Raider fans that love Derek Carr, and there's many of them, they want to see a quarterback make plays outside the pocket, take a hit, not check down, not throw the ball out of bounds. And Derek didn't check down on every play and throw it out of bounds. But you and the Raider Nation freaked out when he did it. I freaked out this year every time Derek came to the line of scrimmage and checked the protection and the clock went down to 3-2-1. and one. I mean, I freaked out on that. I mean, I, I don't have to apologize to anybody. I'm just being honest. I couldn't handle that. I couldn't handle it anymore. I couldn't handle the plate clock going down to one with Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs. Devontae breaks the all-time single-season catch record of Tim Brown and Josh Jacobs is with Marcus Allen all-time. I don't think we got to take the play clock down to one every time, and it was down to one almost every time I looked up at the play clock. I didn't see that with Jared Stidham. I saw Stidham get in and out of the huddle, a command of the playbook, and the ability to make plays outside the pocket, take hits. That means he was outside the pocket, ready to take a hit if he had to, to let his receivers get a little bit more open. I like that. But I also dipped the show in reality. I dipped the show in reality because if Tom Brady's available, if Aaron Rodgers is available, if Jimmy Garoppolo is available, and they want to go down that road, I don't think a lot of people are going to complain about that. I know there won't be anyone on God's green earth if Tom Brady has a press conference at Allegiant Stadium that's going to protest out front. But if Jared Stidham plays good enough and he's the starter going into camp, the reason why he'd be the starter going into camp is the Raiders use a first-round pick or multiple picks to go and get Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. And if that happens, they have the quarterback of the future locked in. They have him locked in. That's the quarterback of the future, and you need a bridge quarterback because either one of those kids are not going to be able to start. No chance, no how. They're going to play in the preseason, and Stidham will be the starter. And I think every Raider fan can handle that, right? But then if you spend a first-round pick on a quarterback, that means you have a quarterback that's going to start on the bench, most likely, and then you got to get other players. you got to get a lot of guys on defense. you got to get help on the offensive line. you got to get a corner. You might have to get a new safety. So there's things that have to be done. I mean, what's safe on the Raiders now after the Chiefs game? I mean, when everybody cleans out their locker and comes back for their final exit physical, who's safe? I don't know who's safe. I have no idea. I know Colt Miller's safe. I think Jared Stidham's safe. Uh, Josh Jacobs is going to have to be offered a contract. Darren Waller and Renfro, I think, are safe. When you look at that, there's going to be some players that we don't know who might be up for trades. And then the rest of it, you know, Dylan Parham and Thayer Mumford, the young offensive linemen, are going to be safe. I don't know anybody else. I don't know what's going to happen with other than Max Crosby, what they're going to do with Chandler Jones. I actually like Chandler Jones now because I think Chandler Jones was coming into his own. And I, he's only getting older, which is a little bit of a current concern for me. But he's going to have a long off season to rest his legs, train, get ready, do what he's done his whole career. Maybe he's got another. Remember, Richard Seymour and Warren Sapp came here, and they both played well. They played well. I think they played better than Chandler Jones. And Chandler Jones, if he's here for two or three years, could have two or three really good years, even though this one wasn't great. And maybe he's a building block. I don't know. The linebackers, I, I don't know. The, the linebackers who are getting runs now, 
They're not Micah Parson. They're not Ray Lewis. I'd like to see some better players. Trayvon Merrick hasn't impressed me at all anymore. I think he's a good player. He's not great. Nate Hobbs, I think, is going to be safe and good. I like Nate Hobbs a lot. He's regressing, in my opinion, the last couple of games. But I think he's got an asterisk next to him because he's been injured. And he came back from the injury. And he plays hard. I just think he's been out of position a little bit. I like uh, Deron Harmon a lot because he knows the system. I think he's a good player. I don't know if he's a starter at the back end of his career or what. And then Rocky Sin's a big question mark, big question mark with the injury. And what they're going to do at the other corner, I think they got to get a new starter. So with, I know they got to get a new starter at the other corner. So uh, Carlson's safe, no doubt about it. A.J. Cold, Cold, the special teams unit is pretty good. I think it got, they got better. They did get better at the end of the year. But there's going to be a heavy roster turnover. And you want as many picks as you have so you can do that. And I think that's what they're going to do. They're going to have to make a big decision at quarterback. They can take their time with that. And obviously, they're going to have to get something from Derek Carr. Whatever they can get for Carr, hopefully a high pick would be great. But they got to get something for Derek. Because if Derek leaves and doesn't like the trade, and he has a no-trade clause, and the Raiders get nothing for him, it's not going to be the end of the world. Because the Raiders will have all that quarterback money that would have went to Carr. But it would be nice to get a pick. It'd be nice to have some more assets if you're going to get rid of Derek Carr. Like, Derek Carr is someone you should be able to trade. But I don't know what these other teams are going to do. So that's the monologue as we open it up here. And your expectations, again, for Stidham. I did this last week around this time. Last week, I asked you what your uh, expectations were for Jared Stidham. And there were some really good phone calls on what you thought in the Raider Nation was some fair expectations. You know, manage the game, get the ball out quick. That's all I thought he was going to do. I really thought he was going to hand the ball off to Josh. And I didn't think they'd be able to run it successfully. They did. I was surprised. The Niners are the number one team in the league when it comes to rushing defense. And the Raiders' offensive line, who's been criticized by me and you all year long, did a good job moving the pile against one of the best fronts in all of football. Josh was able to run the ball. And Stidham, who I thought was going to get the ball out quickly and do a lot of basic stuff, didn't do a lot of basic stuff. He did a lot of exotic stuff where fans are scratching their heads going, whoa, that playbook looks a little different than the way Derek's playbook looked. I don't you know. Again, I think Derek and Stidham have the same playbook. They don't have a chapter in the back of the playbook that Derek wasn't allowed to see that was code for Jared Stidham to study. Stidham just took the same playbook and the play caller, the head coach, Josh McDaniels, I think opened it up a little bit. And why did he open it up a little bit more in that game? I think it had to do with the 49ers because on the 49ers, you had to pass the ball. You couldn't run it. And once the Raiders started running it well, big point I'm about to make here, big, big point. Record this. It's the biggest point of the, of, of the year. The Raiders probably had a game plan going in against the 49ers that said, you know, we're probably not going to be able to run it because they're the number one rushing defense. Let's give it a try. And it worked. Once it worked, voila. The Josh McDaniels dream playbook that I saw his entire career in New England worked in Las Vegas. They couldn't stop the run, and they couldn't stop the pass. Hallelujah! That's exactly what Coach McDaniels has wanted with this organization. Now, if we look at clock management, the quarterback before, the quarterback now, injuries, certain blown leads and all of that, you can all put it in a big pot of gumbo and stir it up and decide what you want to decide. I'm just giving you facts, not fiction. Finally, the offense looked the way it's supposed to look. Now, look that way in that 20 nothing lead against Arizona. I was there. It looked that way 
in that 17-0 lead in Jacksonville, it looked pretty good because they had the lead in that game. And at times in the second half, it looked pretty good when they needed to, when they needed to get it going against New England. But the offense we just saw has got me interested about what this offense could be with a couple of new offensive linemen who are better than the ones that we have here now. Because if they're able to run it and Josh Jacobs comes back and Stidham's able to extend the pocket and get a little bit mobile on the right to the left, let me repeat, not only getting mobile one way but the other way and then run for those critical first downs, two or three a game, and Devontae Waller and Renfro come back, man, that's a good offense. And I'd like to see it one more time. And that's really what I'm excited about for this Saturday game. We're going to get a chance to see this one more time. Now, I don't know about the durability of Josh Jacobs here. I think they want to get him the rushing title. I think he's going to want to play. He's a warrior. I don't see Josh Jacobs telling Coach, hey, I'm out. I can't go. I think he's going to play in this game. And I hope the playbook is aggressive because Andy Reid's playbook is aggressive. I talk about this with Chris in West Oakland, Raider Mort, the great Raider Mike. They say embrace the shootout. Well, you think I came up with that tweet on my own? When you play Andy Reid, you have no choice but to embrace the shootout. If you try to run it, you can a little bit, but you got to have the same game plan you had against the 49ers. Ooh, we can run it against Kansas City? Great, let's throw it too. Embrace the shootout. Kansas City's coming here to score 50. To score 50. They might score 40. Hopefully they score 32, 28, because I'd be, I'd be taken away in a straitjacket if I told you you're going to hold Kansas City with this defense, with guys who aren't going to play, you're going to hold them under 30. So it doesn't take a rocket science, uh, rocket science to say, go get the amount of points you need to beat Andy Reid, which should be 32 to 40. And we saw that in the first game when they lost by one. And they got nothing to play for other than pride and poise and a commitment to excellence, which is huge. So go out and, and, and entertain the fans. Put on a show. A little bit of up-tempo, please. In and out of the huddle like you did last week. I love it. Round of applause. In and out of the huddle. Quarterback looking at the play caller. Yep, I got the play. Let's go. Everybody in and out of the huddle. No check, check, check. Hey, there's the mic. There's the middle. No, no. We know where the mic linebacker is. We know where the mic linebacker is. We practiced this in Henderson all week. We looked at film all week. We know where the linebackers are. Oh, the safety's coming up in the box. You just make eye contact with Devontae. How hard is that? That's what they need to do against Kansas City. And if that is done and completed at a high level, I will go into the offseason, which is going to be a lot of talk about the playoffs and the Super Bowl. I'll go into the offseason with a clear, open mind, clear, open mind that Jared Stidham could be the starting quarterback. If Jared Stidham has a bad game, I'll still go into the offseason knowing he's going to be on the roster. But I'm going to be open to other things. So let's put some pressure on this team. Let's, let's hope they play a great game. You're a season ticket holder. You saw how many Niner fans came into the building because others sold their tickets. It's the last game of the year. Let's go in there and have a party. Let's beat Kansas City. Slow their roll down going into the playoffs. Do your job in the AFC West. Do your job. Do anything to make sure Kansas City doesn't win another Super Bowl and has three with the Raiders, tied with the Raiders. You don't think that'll work on that parade? we got to stop that parade. And I think the Raiders can do it. I would not have thought they could do it if I wasn't at the Niner game with you. If I didn't see them play the Niners into overtime and the Niners beat them 31-13, I'd be sitting here saying, good luck with Kansas City. But after 
after they kind of beat up the number one defense in football, I think they can do that against Kansas City's defense. Kansas City's defense is not as good as the 49ers. It's good, but it's not as good. The question is, Patrick Mahomes, do you like a drinking game? Do you like to play a drinking game? My sons are now in college. The kid's 21 years old. They play beer pong or this or that. It's all, it's all harmless. We take the keys. There's no drinking and driving. But if you like to play a drinking game for the rest of the week, everybody do a shot, a shot of whatever you want, as long as you're not driving. Every time JT says Travis Kelsey from here on out, that'll be the drinking game. And we'll continue it at the Black Hole J-Lot. Every time you hear the name from me, Travis Kelsey, just grab something, take a sip of a Modelo or a shot of your favorite beverage because I can't stop talking about this guy. He's going into the Hall of Fame. A lot of it like the way LaDainian Tomlins did, running through the Raiders, Kelsey catching the ball through the Raiders. Okay, this message goes out to Patrick Graham. Mr. Graham, I know you don't have the players. I know you don't have the players. But you got to show me with the scheme that you can do something differently than the former defensive coordinators who came on this show, who we all got along with. They're all fine men. They're all at other jobs. Gus Bradley. You can go down the list of all the ones that we had here, Paul Gunther, who all had a plan, and the plan never worked because they couldn't figure out Travis Kelsey. I would appreciate it if the Raider Nation called me this week and told me for once... For one time, you got it right on who the player is, what's the scheme, and try to slow the guy down. Travis Kelsey, as we speak, is pointing out a spot in the Winfield nightclub where he's going to plant about six or seven of his friends in the nightclub behind the goalpost and get ready to give him the ball if we don't stop him, if the Raiders don't stop him. So Travis Kelsey, drink up, is a nightmare to this organization for head coaches, defensive coordinators, and the fans. I would like to see a great effort in stopping him. And it's a perfect segue for the key, to, the key to the monologue. Today is George Atkinson's birthday. Wow. Everybody stand up and wish George a happy birthday. And if George Atkinson was in the prime of his career, Travis Kelsey wouldn't be sleeping good in Vegas the night before the game. Because George would start off the game with his forearm taped up, and George would come into the box, and he would clothesline him. He'd take a shot at him. George would keep taking shots at him. George would be talking trash like he did to Russ Francis, and he would do everything he could for this organization to slow down Kelsey. George Atkinson and Jack Tatum and Charles Woodson and Rod Woodson and other great safeties in this organization would do everything to get in the box and say, hey, guys, I'm going to try. I'm going to do a little bit more than you want me to do, and I'm going to try to stop this guy. And I think we need a little George Atkinson birthday vibe from the safeties on this team to step it up and get it going. Uh, Josh McDaniels opened up his press conference like most of the coaches did. I thought Coach was very strong today talking about DeMar Hamlin, the effects it's had around the league, what he said to his players. This is how the press conference began. I'll start uh, by... um Obviously, sending our thoughts and prayers uh, to DeMar Hamlin, his family, um, the entire Buffalo Bills organization, uh, Cincinnati Bengals, um, the entire NFL community, all the players uh, that go out there and um, play the game that we love every week. Um, Obviously, Monday night was a scary uh, situation, and, um, you know, I think 
there's a there's you know a lot of um, feeling and sentiment you can tell in our building and I'm sure around the league. Um, uh, just concerned for um, you know his his well-being and as it should be and so um, I thought that Sean and Zach did a great job um, you know of of handling the situation as um, you know obviously as well as they could the other night and um, you know we'll continue to be thinking about them and hoping for uh, good news obviously as we as we go through the week so um, you know. So it's a it's a difficult situation. I think the players we did a good job this morning. Our doctor, Dr. Singh, uh, educated them a little bit on um, what we know about that scenario, um, just so they have peace of mind about you know what actually occurred as best we know it. Um, and all of our support staff and uh, coaching staff, everybody uh, that the players would need uh, are here today. We'll be here all week in case they need anything else. But, uh, uh, again, our thoughts and prayers are with uh, DeMar and his family and, and the entire Bills organization. So that was really important. Obviously, you see outside of Legion Stadium on the big uh, video board, they have number three. The Raiders put out a tweet about him, and that it's important. Everybody's doing this. Everyone is talking about DeMar Hamlin and making it a priority, including the Raiders. That is the right thing to do, the appropriate thing to do, and I'll talk about that with the head coach tomorrow. We'll get, it, we'll get that into our TV interview tomorrow and radio about how he feels about that. It's had a big effect on the league, him, and the entire team. Let's start off with Mike in Vegas on 920. Mike, start us off. Appreciate you. Hey, JT, I got a couple points I'd like to hit on. One, mm-hmm. with Jared Stidham, I think that he did. He came out and he played, he played a great game, and it was different. It was something that we saw that we haven't seen before, and a lot of us fans got enamored with it. But I think what he has done, if he can come out and play another game against Kansas mm-hmm. City, win or lose, hopefully it's a win, that he has earned himself a shot next year. Mm-hmm to come in and compete for a position with whatever way the Raiders decide to go as a team with the quarterback position. Well, I, there's I no, there's, no, there's going to be no, look, there's going to be no competition if Tom Brady's here. So let's well, get that out of the way. There's going to be no competition if Tom Brady's here, but there's a chance you don't get Tom Brady and Tom Brady get, gets to make the decision on retiring or Fox or whatever he's going to do. But, you know, if there was a trade for Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady, he would not have a chance to compete. He'd be the backup. But pretty much every other scenario you're talking about, I agree with you. He deserves a right to compete. And then I, I got one that, about Derek Carr. I've been mm-hmm. a Derek Carr, Carr fan since he came out of Fresno State. You know, everybody's saying that, you know, the team has made him a scapegoat. Mm-hmm. I understand. I'm a Raider fan first and foremost, and I'm a fan of players as they come through. He, they did it as a business decision. Mm-hmm. It's 100% guaranteed. But through his career, everybody here the last few years has said that Derek is, he's been under this coordinator, this coordinator. He's got this system that system and i've heard you say it a few times that Derek carr is a good quarterback he's not one of the elite quarterbacks Mm -hmm. and to me i started looking at it a different way is that he's had a chance in so many different systems maybe he was never going to become an elite quarterback maybe he was only going to be a good quarterback and that potentially is something 
that we may have to move on from. Yeah, and I agree with you. Thanks for the call. Look, it's not a knock. It's just being honest. We're always honest. He had Coach Gruden, Josh McDaniels, Bill Musgrave. If you look at the offensive coordinators that he's had here along the way, he's had some good ones. And a lot of times Derek didn't have everything stacked up on his side. He had inferior defenses most of the time. Everyone's aware of that. He never had great offensive lines. 2016-17, he had a good offensive line. And, you know, there were times where Derek carried the team to wins and comeback wins on his arm. And there were games where he could have played better and helped the team win more. The, The entire body of work is pretty damn good. It's not Hall of Fame. It's not Stabler. It's not Plunkett with two Super Bowls. Derek Carr is a hell of a human being and a hell of a player. And his, his career here with the Oakland and, and Las Vegas Raiders has been very strong. Something everyone should be proud of. The monologue brought to you by PT's Best Happy Hour in Town. Vinny Bonsignor joins us next. Attorney. Now back to the JT The Brick Show. And it's time to go inside the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Sponsored by Embajador Tequila and presented by the Realty One Group. Two on the play clock. They get the snap. They only bring four. Stidham in the pocket. Gets out of there. Eyes downfield. Flag flies. He's drilled as he throws. Open Adams at the 35. Racing to the 20. 10. Touchdown Raiders. Stenham was drilled as he threw it and found a wide open Devontae Adams for, if it stands, a 60-yard touchdown. Jason Horowitz on the call. JT with Vinny Bonsignor has been kind enough to join us all year on Wednesdays, and that's a big deal considering all the other media requirements we have. Uh, Vinny, let's begin with that highlight there. Stidham was good outside the pocket. He took a big hit. He delivered a lot of balls on time. And my favorite thing, he got in and out of the huddle and wasn't dramatic getting the play clock down to zero. How'd you see his performance? Yeah, no doubt about it. And um, not only was he good off script and uh, outside uh, the pocket, he was really good inside the pocket. I think he was 16 or 19 uh, in those situations or something along those lines. Uh, So he was pretty effective across the board, uh, and, and it looked comfortable. It looked seamless. It looked uh, like he was in charge, confident, knew what he was doing. Um, everything on time, um, I think his, his, his teammates rallied around him. He showed a great command for the playbook and the route tree. And then when it was time to make plays with his legs and buy some time and keep his eyes downfield uh, to make throws, he did exactly that, too, in that touch pass to Devontae Adams in the in the end zone, it doesn't get much better than that. So there was a lot to like about Jared Stidham's performance on Sunday. Now, it's a small sample size. He's got to do it again on, on Saturday. But I don't think it could have gone any better when you're talking about somebody that was making their uh, starting debut in the NFL. Vinny Bonsignor is our guest. So, Vinny, reality-wise, I don't want to get too far ahead of this because we have a long off season. But if he plays well against Kansas City, what do you think? He assures himself. He's, of course he's going to be the backup. He could be the starter. He could be the starter by default if they don't pull the trigger on a really big, big deal for an elite quarterback there. How much is on him for this game against Kansas City after he already showed us what he could do against the number 149er defense? Yeah, he almost has a tough act to follow, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so... Um, I mean, a lot is riding on it. You know, any t- he's, he's not under contract for next year anywhere. Um, so if he does come back to the Raiders, it'll have to be on a on a new deal. And you, I've already been reaching out to some people in the NFL to see what that might look like uh, on the premise that he balls out again on Sunday. Uh, so it sounds like 
the number wouldn't be astronomical by, by any stretch of the imagination. So I think if you're the Raiders, you brought him in here for a reason. And I remember talking to Josh McDaniels uh, about this um, in and around the time that they brought him in. You know, they always want to have a young quarterback in the system that's learning the system, that knows from year to year the playbook uh, and the verbiage and somebody that they're putting uh, time into and investing into. And he seems to be that kind of a guy. So at the very least, he comes back here um, as a safety net uh, backup insurance policy. Um, a, if they can't get their preferred choice uh, in terms of the veterans, and we all know the names uh, that are going to be bandied about, the Tom Brady's, Jimmy Garoppolo's, uh, maybe he's the default starter in that regard, or even if you do go get Tom Brady or Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, if they become free agents, maybe he's the solid backup uh, to them that you can trust, that can handle uh, his business if called upon. So there's a lot of options still left uh, for, for Jared Sidham and, and the Raiders, but we're going to have to see how this offseason plays out. I don't know necessarily that after two games, even if he does play well against the Chiefs on Saturday, if the Raiders can confidently say, um, okay, he's the guy moving forward next year. I don't know if that's uh, the answer, um, maybe in a competition type of a type of a situation, but it's just such a small sample size to confidently go in uh, to next year as Jared Stidham as a starter. Vinny Monsignor joins us. So I heard you today with Eddie Borselli, and as we talked about evaluation, this roster was evaluated because a lot of these players were brought in just to fill out the roster or they were players from the former regime. So we know a lot of them aren't going to be back, but the ones who are here know the system now. They have to be better next year. I don't know how they get better on defense, either without a new defensive coordinator or specific players that Dave Ziegler, Josh McDaniel, and Patrick Graham agree can play this system so much remarkably better, then I can buy in. But if it's just random guys coming in from free agency around the league and draft picks, I don't know how smart they're going to be, especially if they're in college right now. That's really a tough topic for me to wrap my head around in the offseason. Yeah, uh, I just think that, you know, Raider Nation um, fans are just going to have to come to the realization that because of um, just so many botched drafts and draft picks, um, that the Raiders are are not very close when it comes to uh, their defense. In terms of being a championship-caliber defense, a defense that can carry a team, let's just say. let's say. Um, so it's, there's going to be a lot of work that needs to be put into the defense, and it probably is going to take a couple of years before they ever get to that kind of a point. So that's just the reality of the situation, and it goes back to not trying to make excuses, but this is the reality of the situation. They, they, they missed on so many players over the last, even if you, if you go back to 2017, 2018, just too many swing and misses defensively. Uh, and you look at the 49ers, a team that, um, you know, I know they're the hated 49ers, but if you're looking for a blueprint on how to build a defense, that's the blueprint that you want to follow. It's draft and development, draft and development. And it took them a while to get to that point. And frankly, it took some bad years, too. They had high picks because their record wasn't good. Uh, fortunately for them and unfortunately for the Raiders, the 49ers, uh, maximized their draft capital, whereas the Raiders mismanaged their draft capital over the years. I think what you're probably going to end up seeing is some, you know, build an offense, because the offense obviously is pretty close. We saw what the offense was capable against a number one defense on Sunday. They hung 34 points up on a defense that was given on 15 points coming into that game. So I think in the short term, if you're the Raiders, you want to maximize that offense, 
build it to a point where it can maybe outscore the trouble that you might have defensively, but it's simultaneously, and in the meantime, just continue to chip away at building the type of defense that you want here in Las Vegas. The hope being that that offense is going to be so good that it can help mitigate maybe some of the you know the issues that this defense is going to have because that it's going to take a few a couple of years before that defense is where it needs to be, and that's counting on hitting on all these draft picks that they're going to have. Well, wrapping it up with Vinny Bonsignor. Vinny, interesting with Kansas City. There's no Tyreek Hill. He's been a nightmare. Travis Kelsey's arguably better than Tyreek Hill against the Raiders. The personnel matchup's going to be tough for the Raiders to slow down Kelsey, but there's no Tyreek Hill. It's got to make it a little bit more of a priority to be physical with him. You can't lay off him because he gets the ball, and after catch, he's like Kittle. He's better than Kittle. And if you get right on top of him and he's out, he's able to out-physical the linebacker or the safety, that could be real big damage downfield. How do the Raiders try to slow him down in a game that means everything to Kansas City for playoff positioning? Yeah, and what was so interesting in the last time, which seems like 10 years ago uh, when they played, they actually did a good job on Travis Kelsey uh, outside of the red zone. Uh, it was in the red zone that he just destroyed them. And a lot of that was just, frankly, blown assignments uh, by, by guys that, some guys that just aren't even here anymore, uh, for that matter. So, um, you know, if they can kind of follow what they did uh, from the 20s to the 20s, they'll be in pretty good shape because they, they, they slowed him down. Uh, but when they do get in the red zone, you have to be locked in on Travis Kelsey. That's the guy that cannot beat you uh, at all. And whatever you have to do to slow him down, double teams, bracketing him, um, you have to do switching up the coverages. Some of it is just taking him away as an option. Uh, forget about when the ball is in the air toward him and making a play on it and tackling him. Make, defend him in such a way that Patrick Mahomes has to look someplace else uh, with the football. So it's going to be a long afternoon. You're not going to shut down uh, Travis Kelsey, but you, you, gotta, um, you can't let him kill you in the red zone the way they did uh, in the last meeting. Vinny with Demar Hamlin and what happened here, obviously a massive story. Can you give me in about a minute what you think will have happen with the playoff seating? Cincinnati, I think, would have beat Buffalo that night. They're on their way to going up maybe two scores. They were at home, so I'll give Cincinnati, if everything doesn't happen, possibly the win. Then that puts Cincinnati in the possibility for the one seed if the Raiders beat Kansas City, and then you have Buffalo. What do you think the commissioner needs to do to set the seedings one through three? I uh, talked to a few people in the NFL, um, other uh, other NFL teams about this, and uh, the consensus that I've gotten is you just go back to what the COVID rules were, if there was going to be a game that was missed, and if that game, you know, even if it was going to be impactful when it came down to playoff seedings and draft orders and all that type of stuff, you uh, call it a no contest, don't even play it, don't try to resume it, I don't think that's an option, and you just you, you just rely on the winning percentages at that point. You would just accept it. We all know that this was a tough situation. I know um, in some buildings it's going to be a little bit frustrating because you're not going to, uh, you wouldn't have had a chance necessarily to, to improve your winning percentage because this game got canceled. It might hurt a team that had to play an extra game compared to these two teams. But you know what? This is one of those situations where so what? Get over it. Deal with it. Um, don't don't restart this game. Don't try to play the game over. At the end of the year, just go by winning percentages and understand that the Bengals and the Bills played one less game than everybody else. I think the whole world will move on and be okay if that happens. Vinny, tell us about your sponsors, your partners one more time, please. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Realty One Group, uh, Dos Casas, 
uh, Tequila, uh, the two faces. Uh, really excited uh, to get started uh, with them. Uh, they've been great. Everybody's been great this year. Uh, and, you know, can't wait to, uh, to, to move on with the relationship. We're one game away from the end of the year. It's kind of hard to believe, uh, JT, but it's going to be an eventful offseason without question. Um, and I think a, a real pivotal one for this Raiders organization. Thank you, Benny. We'll see you Saturday. Appreciate you. All right, JT, you too. That's a great Benny Bonsignor. Let's go and come back with Bill Williamson. Silver and Black Pride, the great work he has. He's got some really good content I want to showcase next. Phone calls at the top of the hour. I got a lot to say. There's some good sound I want to play. You see Shannon Sharp go after Skip Bayless or Skip Double Down today? Oh, my God, Bart Scott. And what he said about Higgins, with the instigator in the hit, and what Boomer Esiason said about Derek Carr. That's all coming up next hour. JT on the flagship. The JT The Brick Show is brought to you by Remy Martin. Team up for excellence. Two tight ends in and a fullback. Snap, handoff, Jacobs trying the middle. He walks in. Touchdown, Raiders. Josh Jacobs with his 12th rushing touchdown of the season. And the Raiders are an extra point away from tying this game with 111 on the clock. All right, that's a nice highlight. What a year for Josh Jacobs. Bill Williamson, what a year for him on this show. The great NFL insider been covering the Raiders an NFL writer for 23, uh, 26 straight seasons. I look at all of his content and a lot going down now at silverandblackpride.com. So, Bill, uh, tell us about your column here on DeMar Hamlin and how it affects the Raiders and every team in the NFL. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously everybody's watching this Monday night and it hits home for all these players. And now, now today, after most teams took yesterday off, at least from speaking to the media, um, they're kind of coming into grips with it today, and teams across the league are talking about it. And you know, Josh McDaniels talked to his team about it, and Deshaun Reed of the Athletic had a tweet saying, "Hey, look at you know, this is what they're doing. They're, they're meeting as a team. They're talking to medical officials, talking about you know the, the potential of this happening again in this circumstances, and there's counselors available, and this is going on across the league, and it's just the tone of what's happening and. You know, I, I saw something with Kyle Shanahan. So, yeah, most of my players are doing okay, but, you know, the wives are really having a hard time. And, mm-hmm. that, and that hit at home, you know, because yeah. this is this is extended to everybody in the families. And it's just an incredible situation that all these teams and players and coaches have to process really quickly as they get ready for, you know, Week 18 and, and for some teams to playoffs. Bill Williamson, tell me about your podcast, Is Jarrett Stidham's Success Sustainable? Uh, I'm fascinated by this because I think if he plays great or above average against Kansas City, he's going to have a hell of an offseason, feeling like he can compete to be the starter no matter what happens. What do you expect to see from him in this last game? Yeah, you know, I mean, this, this part of the game that, that makes me smile because it's just so week to week and you just don't, you just never know what's going to happen. Um, and last week after the, you know, the Derek Carr bombshell, what, that was just a huge story. It was, it was all about Derek Carr and the, his future and he likely not being in Las Vegas. And, and Jared Stidman, Stidman was really just the guy who was going to be playing the next two games, right? He was just going to, he's the guy in charge of finishing it off. Well, then he goes out and has a sublime performance against the best team defense in the NFL, 365, three touchdowns. And just makes play after play after play and looks like he's comfortable. So now you go, wait a second. What about him? You know, um, 
is, is what's his future? Can he can he do this again? I mean, was it a, a one hit wonder? Are the Chiefs now they have Chiefs have the benefit? The 49ers didn't of a, a full game tape, but the Chiefs can't be pleased with what we saw on that game tape as far as preparation goes. Um, and you know, this guy's a free agent. If he has a, a strong game, this is a a quarterback obsessed, a quarterback hungry lead. If he has another big game, he's going to go into free agency with some nice tape and, and a chance to make some money, whether it's from the Raiders or somewhere else. And does he get in the mix as the Raiders' um, best option for their starter in 2023? Because certainly they're going to be in the mix for one. So it's just a fascinating situation and a, and a situation we didn't really see coming. Yeah, you're right about that, Bill Williamson. Bill, what do you think the car trade bait will be? What do you think? Have you, have you evolved on this? Some say first, some say no way first, a second or a third, second and a third. I mean, it's too early. I, I want to show all the respect for Derek that we can, but, you know, we're going to talk to you more in the offseason about it, but your peers, you got a lot of big-time peers around the league in other big markets. What do they think of Derek Carr and his value? Yeah, I mean, it, it's going to evolve. It's going to evolve quickly. And, J.D., it only takes one, right? Mm-hmm. It only takes one team. And, again, I just got done saying it's a quarterback-obsessed league. So, And there's going to be competition there. So who knows? I, I, would I be surprised if, if a one is involved? No, I wouldn't be surprised. Would I be surprised if it's a high two or, you know, maybe a conditional one? Who, who knows? It's going to be, you know, it's going to be in that range. Um, and, and the Raiders should get a really good um, draft pick, draft capital out of this if they are able to make a trade. Because there's no, there's no sure thing that they're gonna. There's time restraints. We know that the deadline is three days after the Super Bowl. Um, so and then you can't make a trade official until at mid March. So there's some trust issues there. And you know who knows if Derek Carr is going to be even interested in playing ball with them. I mean, they, they could be in a situation where they're forced to releasing them. Lots of speculation in the next five or six weeks, but I, I do know this. It's going, it's all going down. It's, it, it's going to happen. I, I thought the news, a lot of people, you know, were really fixated on uh, David Carr's words on NFL mm-hmm. Network and about him sticking up for his brother. What else, what do you expect him to do? Right, I course. thought the, the really only news value there was him saying, hey, I know he said that he couldn't imagine playing in you know, another uniform. Well, he's beyond that. He is going to play this year, and this is what he's looking for in his next team. So that was the news value to me, that Derek Carr is moving on and he's ready to play somewhere else next year. So it's just the only question now is where, when, and what are the Raiders going to be able to get out of it? But we will find those questions out because this is going to happen. This train is moving. Silverandblackpride.com. Bill Williamson, last one. I saw your AFC West mixtape breaking down the Raiders' current state. In all yeah. your years of doing this, what is the current state of the Raiders in your mind? I, you know, I, disappointment. You know, it's, uh, it's year that I thought they were going to win 11 or 12 games. Uh, they can lose 11. I wasn't expecting that. Unless there was lots of major, major injuries. Injuries. I'm talking at the very top in you know, the corner. That really wasn't. And I, I think it's better for this team is that they've had a really kind of an easy schedule this year. And they, they didn't have a lot of terrible things, obstacles. This, this road was there, and, and they just kind of failed. And, you know, we, we know how it happened. We saw it. We saw all the blown leads. And, 
And, and I think Sunday's game was bitter as well. I know a lot of people were kind of intoxicated by what they saw Jared Stanham do to the best defense in the league, and they should have been. But the big picture was there, another blown loss, you know, another defensive collapse. Um, and they got help around the league for the playoffs. For the second straight week, the Raiders mm-hmm. got what they needed elsewhere, and they couldn't get it done. So that's just part of the bitterness of this of this season. So and now it's just revamp and, and try to get better and just another season. But you, you got – you, you, you lost a season to Devontae Adams. You lost a season of Josh Jacobs. You lost a season of, of Max Crosby with no real progress. So, again, it's just uh, they're just going to have to regroup and then look back at this season as very, you know, very bitterly. Bitter mm-hmm. disappointment is my description for it. Thank you, Bill, for everything this year. We'll circle back with you uh, after this game and uh, uh, several times in the offseason when, when there's breaking news. Always appreciate what you do for us. Whenever you need me. Thanks, JP. Now, Bill Williamson joining us. When we come back, Bobby Petrino leaving UNLV for Texas A&M before he even had a sip of coffee. Wow. Now, the money's something, and if the players can leave and NIL and the portal and coaches are always leaving, I was really excited to see what Bobby Petrino's playbook would look like for UNLV, and UNLV cannot catch a break. you got to be kidding me with this. I'll lead off with this at the top of the hour as we continue on the flagship of the Raiders.